Hey everyone and welcome to episode 12 of That Gives Me Anxiety. I'm recording this on Monday the 13th, September. Got back late last night from Charlotte. We were there to hang out with some friends and check out the city and we went to the Jets and Panthers game. What a fun city. Very clean. A lot of stuff to do. The stadium was fun. I mean, there was one hiccup and that was that... Someone pulled the fire alarm. I think we were staying at the same hotel as the Jets, and someone pulled the fire alarm at 4.15 in the morning, meaning everyone had to get up and walk all the way down. The hotel was above a parking garage. So we had to walk down like 13 flights. You know, after drinking all day, <laughs> you don't really want to be doing that. You, you want to get that uh, that full eight hours. So everything about Charlotte was fun except for except for that. I mean, because then you're down there for 20 minutes, and before you get the, the go-ahead to go back up, then you have to walk up 13 more flights of stairs. And then when we're trying to fall asleep, you hear everyone else letting the door slam, telling their side of, of this misadventure, as if it's any different than anyone else's. Yeah, I was sleeping, and then I heard the alarm. It's like, did you? <laughs> but it was fun. It was also fun to be around... Uh, a lot of New Yorkers, you know, there a lot of Jet fans kind of taking over the city there a little bit. It's nice to be around New Yorkers. You know, it's a little taste of home coming down, listening to how people talk, just like screaming into their speakerphones in a crowded restaurant, oblivious to the fact that anyone else is around them, or they just don't care. That's a staple New Yorker right there. <laughs> just being animals? <laughs> no, I'm kidding. Panther fans are fun. The city was very nice to us. All around a good time. What was it? The Wooden Robot Brewery and the, and the Charlotte Beer Garden. Woo! I ate unhealthy. I'll tell you that. And I would do it exactly the same way. <laughs> well, we've got a great episode today. Because today our anxiety is caused by nightmares. The idea for this episode came about when... We were living in New York, you know, really tight quarters, really anxious about the virus, couldn't really go anywhere, and I was just having so many nightmares almost every night that it was starting to make me feel nervous about going to sleep, that I wasn't going to be able to sleep, you know, or that I would jolt awake, like sweating. I know, gross. <laughs> then I figured there's other people who are going through something similar, so... Now we have an episode on it. I had my friend Josh Krebs from my sketch comedy group from, I guess it ended a few years ago, uh, National Scandal. Very funny guy. Very creative. What do you hear is nightmares. Very, very out there. You know, he's not getting chased by monsters. But does he have enough to pay for groceries? No. Not in his dreams. It's just manifestations of real everyday anxiety. Oh, uh, and I also have a, an incredible expert Dr. Christina Pierpoli Parker, sleep expert, psychologist, very enthusiastic, very intelligent. She had so much good information that I think could help a lot of people. So, all right, I think we're going to go to the interview right now. Real quick, just want to mention that you can check the show out on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube. And if you're liking the show, please remember to rate and review it on whatever platform you're listening to it on. Okay, you know, the Jets lost, but I still feel like I won. What a treat Charlotte was. <laughs> As always, thank you so much for listening and enjoy. Enjoy. 
I feel like, oh, you're, you're gonna clap? Should I we... was gonna clap like do a slate, but I knew that that would be probably it. <laughs> not, not. <laughs> well, we're off to a good start here. Josh, yeah. how are you? I'm good, man. How you doing, Pat? I'm good. I'm good. I, I, I've been having a lot of nightmares lately. Which, uh... Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, nightmares. Uh, I think around this time, I don't know if everybody else is having as many nightmares <laughs> as the rest <laughs> of us, but it's a rough time. I can understand the anxiety. Oh my gosh, yeah. Well, to, to back up for a second, this is Josh Quebs. Josh and I know each <laughs> other from National Scandal, our sketch comedy team back in New yeah. York City. And I, um, I'm pretty sure I owe you at least $25. Oh, yeah. At Seriously. least $25. At least, yeah. Just for miscellaneous items, like yeah, no, rug. just don't, didn't even ask. You just handed me, <laughs> you just hand me money. It's like Pat, don't even worry about it. Just can you give me some cash? Right, I'm good for it. I'm and good then you for went, it, I moved to Dallas. I know you took my money. <laughs> You're never gonna see it. I've dispatched several grown assassins. Grown, ass- I have to specify that they're grown. They're not yeah. children assassins. <laughs> ch- ch- dude, children assassins would even be better. Exactly. Right. You wouldn't even see them coming, but you've thwarted all that and, and you're still doing well down there. But yeah, the reason why I had you on here is because I, I don't know why it's, this is going to come off funny. For this episode in particular, I feel like you would have vivid nightmares. You're very creative. Uh, you like horror movies. <laughs> you have a podcast called Erotikasaurus. Uh, yeah. If you want to mention what that's all about. Uh, it's essentially a podcast where Sarah Nowak, our mutual friend, and I yeah. uh, read erotic fan fiction about monsters. I love it. It's it's, it's a very good podcast. I'm, I'm a big fan. It's Thank you very much. It's very silly and stupid. Of and, course. <laughs> it's making me millions of dollars now. Yeah. So, um, <laughs> I, I, no, but yeah, I... I my dreams, my dreams, regardless of whether or not they're nightmares or good dreams, it's, they are like extremely vivid. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if you have the same problem that I do, but there are moments where I'll wake up and I'll be like, oh, this really significant part of my dream. And it was supposed to tell me something. I don't know if you really want me to get into it now, but it's like I had a dream where like my dad was like trying to show me something. And I was like, okay, great. So my dad's going to try to show me this because we were in a, like this strange bowling alley. And my dad was just like, I got to, I want to show you something, even though we're playing a game right now. I was like, okay. And then right before he showed it to me, I woke up. Oh my gosh. That's so frustrating. Just like the yeah. key to life, Joshy boy. <laughs> Everything you need to know right here. Isn't that just the way of the world? <laughs> yeah. Watch what he wanted to show you was just like, he put like nacho cheese on a hot dog. It was like, look what I did. Look. <laughs> look. Can you believe that someone was crazy to do this? Uh, why aren't we always doing this? Nacho cheese is delicious. Just crushes ranch, uh, cool ranch Doritos on top of you. He's like, uh-oh, it's raining. No one ever thought of this. Doritos needs to hire me. Like, all right, dad. Yeah. My nightmares are, it's weird because now it's like when I was a kid, I would dream about monsters and kind of like being in the dark. And as I've grown, I've had a less broad idea of what nightmares can be and what they are into a smaller sense of like, my my anxieties manifest in this one thing. Oh yeah. You know what I mean? And it's, and it's so, and it's so weird because like when you're, when I was a kid, I just remember having these really vivid dreams of, of like mo- monsters and things chasing me. And then as I got older, I was just either, my mind was kind of like, I had either traveled enough to where I knew that some of that wasn't really possible, but now it's just like, I've gotten creative enough to where my mind has now 
taken these ideas and and uh, constricted it into one one thing that represents it in my dream. So 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 funny. I, I'll still have the occasional like zombie apocalypse nightmare, but I, that's just entertaining. I like zombie movies, so that's just fun. fun. Uh, I also have nightmares where it's just like a, such a simple thing, and like I remember this one specifically. Uh, it was recently. It was just like a regular dream you know i'm just running through a field or doing god knows what but then i remember my girlfriend jamie had popped up in it and was just like i want you to get out of credit card debt <laughs> and in my dream it was just like <gasps> and like at that point Pat, like, Pat, that wasn't a dream yeah i think i think she was literally yeah that was really happening yeah. <laughs> she was like pat get your shit together wake up get credit card bills. <laughs> yeah at that point i had racked up a little bit of debt but that's who hasn't taken care of yeah right especially with all job losses i i think that like yeah and in in respect to what everything that's going on right now before all this happened i had huge anxiety dreams and i i still kind of do but now i just kind of like I don't have dreams about them. I just hold them tight in my body. And then one day I'll just kind of like explode with it. That sounds. It just, I know it's not, it's not healthy. Yeah. Right. My, my wife was basically like, stop doing this. <laughs> Please let it out. Yeah. yeah. She was just like, you have to talk to me about this. I was like, okay. But it's fear of, of money, mm. being in debt, being not able to afford House food. Poor. Yeah. You know, yeah, anything and like that. Yeah. I, I always have a fear of not having enough food to eat. You know what I mean? And it's so, it's so funny. I mean, I know I'm kind of going on a tangent here, but I was talking about this recently with my wife and I was like, you know, I have these really horrible fears and anxieties about being not, not able to sustain a comfortable life. I guess that would be it. I mean, yeah. food. Yes. Like that would be it. Like I always have food around, like that's mm-hmm. the whole thing. But I remember specifically waking up one day when I was a kid and going down to my kitchen and it was my dad and my mom and they were sitting at the kitchen table with my aunt. And she was just crying. And this is the first time ever my mom was like, you're going to have dinner in the dining room, quote unquote, dining room that we have. Because we never ate dinner or any type of meal in there. Okay. It was the nice room. Is where all like- all right, the, the untouchable the, room. The untouchable room. Yeah. And so we had, we had a breakfast in there and everything. And then I, I realized that what it was, was that my aunt was crying over, she had gone into like serious debt. She was in the process of losing her home. And my dad kind of stepped in and he was like, all right, yeah, I need to loan her some money. So, oh, wow. that sounds yeah, cool. I know, I know. And, and so I think now that's kind of like what's really forwarded this momentum of an idea that like, I, not a knock on my aunt because, you know, I love her and all, but I don't want to be my aunt crying at the kitchen table. Certainly not. You know, that's trying to it's so hard. You can feel like you're like the whole world is, is crumbling down on you. Yeah. And, 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 and even then it's, it, it does, it manifests itself in my dreams. I don't think it's a nightmare because it's never like, oh yeah, it's dark. There's monsters. Oh, there's a leech monster. I was like, no, I'm like, cool. This is Club Med for me. Yeah. <laughs> but when it's like, I have, I have a dream where I'm like at the store and there's a million people behind me and I'm standing there with all this food, bills like 236 bucks. Mm-hmm. And my wife is standing there and like, obviously she's just like, all right, well get it. And I was like, okay. And I have no money for it. Like, it's just oh, like, Oh man, that's so stressful. Yeah. And so it's. And like a TV channel broadcast it. Little well, asshole, Josh, yeah. Josh Krebs. Get, can't, deadbeat, can't deadbeat Josh Krebs <laughs> can't afford food for his family. <laughs> right. Just piling then, on at that moment. Yeah. And then I have a heart attack and then I fart myself <laughs> to death. Right. 
And then everybody's just like, oh, look at this stupid, stupid man. I knew he would never amount to anything. Yeah. But I mean, like, that's the other thing, too, is that, like, you you have these dreams and you're just kind of like, fuck, this anxiety is making me feel like, what have I accomplished? Or what am I accomplishing to make sustainable life, not only for me, but for, like, somebody that is share, I'm sharing a life with? Your you know dreams I mean? sound so stressful. I'm sweating just thinking about your dreams. <laughs> and, and think about how creative I am, Pat. You're very creative. And, and yeah. it's funny to think your, your dreams are very based in reality. The thing is, though, is that I think that's what propels me to be creative. You know what I mean? Because I will have these dreams and I'll wake up and it'd be like, what this dream is telling me is that I'm not doing enough to support my family. I'll wake it's up. heavy. I know, right? So then I'll just be like, all right, fine. I'm going to start writing or I'm going to do something. Yeah. Well, you're, you're an extremely hard worker and... I don't, I don't think you have anything you too, to worry Pat. about. Don't, Thank don't. you very much. So, so one of the parts or one of the ideas behind this podcast is to take things that causes anxiety and talk about them and bring on experts to try to uh, demystify things and make things easier. And prior to this, I had a very interesting conversation with Christina Pierpaoli Parker, who has a PhD in clinical psychology and is an expert in sleep. And we had a discussion about nightmares. And so I want to go to the first clip which is where Christina and I are talking about why sleep is so important in general and her tips for sleeping better. Okay. Roll that beautiful bean footage. Yeah. Hey, Patrick. I am indeed Christina Pierpaoli Parker. I have my PhD in clinical psychology and right now find myself working as a postdoctoral fellow at the University of Alabama, Birmingham specializing in adult behavioral sleep medicine. That's great. Uh, I'm so excited to have you today because we're going to be talking about nightmares. Thank you for having me. I hope our conversation is not nightmarish and forgive me <laughs> for all of the puns I definitely will insert into our conversation. Of course, uh, yeah, that would be a slight to the podcast if there, there weren't nightmare Excellent. puns like that. It's, it's just sitting right there. Excellent. Um, sleep is in its simplest terms, it is just a reset button for, for the brain. I mean, just trying to boil it down so that I can understand. So sleep plays an incredibly important role, not only in resetting our metabolic health, but also our cognitive health. And there are several mechanisms that are at play there, but we have these several stages of sleep that we pass through, unimaginatively stages one through four, and then REM. And we can partition those stages into non-REM, so stages one through four, and REM sleep. And every single process uh, or every single stage of sleep plays an incredibly important role in our sleep health and overall health. So I don't say this to proffer up one stage of sleep as more important than any of the others, but the deepest stages of sleep, particularly stages three and four, we believe play a critical role in producing growth hormone and repairing bodily damage incurred throughout the day. So Matthew Walker often talks about consciousness as low-grade brain damage that sleep helps to restore. So in stages three and four, we see a secretion of growth hormone that helps to repair bodily damage incurred during the day. We see in a secretion of cerebral spinal fluid into the brain, and that, we believe, plays a role in taking out the trash or 
or the sort of neurotoxins that accumulate throughout the day, namely beta amyloid plaque, a plaque implicated in Alzheimer's disease. And so what we find, uh, at least from, from recent experimental research, is that one night of sleep deprivation defined as five hours produced a clinically significant increase in beta amyloid plaque in certain regions of the brain implicated in memory. And so what that tells us is not only does sleep play an important restorative role, it, it plays an incredibly important role enhancing our cognition by clearing out neurotoxins and also plays an important role in emotional regulation. Sleep deprivation is associated with an increase in limbic activity. And the limbic system represents our primary emotion and memory center. And when we are sleep deprived, that part of the brain tasked with keeping us safe during periods of distress, during which our survival gets threatened, gets activated, but our frontal lobe and our prefrontal cortex, the part of our brain associated with thinking, memory, logic, and planning sort of goes offline. And so when we don't get enough sleep, we see an increase in impulsive behavior, emotional dysregulation, and a hijacking of our motivation. Got it. Oh man, that's so daunting to hear just how one night could take on such a toll uh, physically. Wow. Well, and, and it, we, as, as part of responsible science and science communication, we want to refrain from catastrophizing or fear-mongering. Of course, uh, I and, agree with that, yeah. Instead, instead, what we want to do is empower people to understand that sleep, though previously regarded as this unnecessary process, undergirds every facet of our psychological and physical health, mm -hmm. and we can control it. It is one of the most valuable, effective, robust, democratic health tools that people have at their disposal. And so contrary to popular cultural messages that sleep is for the weak or that we'll sleep when we're dead, sleep is one of the most powerful tools that you can use to optimize your health and to prevent further health decline. I know. Uh, people who say sleep when you're dead, it's like, no, I... The best drug right now that you could take is eight hours of sleep. <laughs> yeah, I mean, if we could, put, so two, two thoughts. So yes, um, two famed insomniacs, right? Uh, Margaret Thatcher and Ronald Reagan both touted that they slept five hours or less at night. Mm. And again, correlational, not, not causal, but interesting to note that both went on to develop Alzheimer's disease, which ultimately led their demise. And so again, I, I, I share this information not to fear monger, but instead to empower people to recognize sleep as an incredibly important tool in health, longevity, and wellness that they can control. And you know, if we could put the benefits of sleep and exercise into a pill, right? So increased energy, sex drive, cognitive function, emotional regulation, social connectedness, it would sell overnight. <laughs> the fountain of youth. Yeah, absolutely. Well, to your point of wanting to empower people, before we get into dreams and nightmares, what are some of your sleep tips that when an individual accepts, uh, they can then use in their daily lives? Gosh, I have so many to share. <laughs> okay. I will start with 
One, daily regularity. And when I say that, I mean a common myth that has gotten circulated includes this idea that we need to go to bed and wake up at the same time every day. That is only 50% true. We need to wake up at the same time every day. We need to anchor our wake up time. Mm -hmm. And because humans operate on a roughly 24 hour circadian rhythm, sometimes shorter, sometimes longer, if we wake up at the same time every day, the likelihood that we'll feel sleepy and go to bed around the same time every day increases. That isn't to say that you need to go to bed at the same time. The only time you want to go to bed is when you feel sleepy, not tired. And we want to differentiate feeling sleepy from feeling tired. Sleepy or sleepiness refers to the physical inability to stay awake. Your body sends you very clear behavioral cues that it feels sleepy in the same way your body sends you very clear cues when it feels hungry. Your eyelids are heavy, your head bobs, you feel this drive to sleep. Only then do you go to sleep. Fatigue, on the other hand, or tiredness, refers to a state of physical and mental low energy. The danger of going to bed when you feel tired instead of sleepy is that you might not actually fall asleep or certainly stay asleep. And that's important because time spent awake in bed morphs the bed into a cue for wakefulness over iterations of pairing the bed with activity rather than for sleep. So when you go to bed only when you feel sleepy, you reduce the likelihood that you'll spend time awake in the bed, which buffers against something called conditioned arousal. And conditioned arousal refers to this idea that the bed has morphed into a cue for activity. To illustrate this concept, many patients will talk about feeling sleepy on their couch or chair. And then as soon as they transition into the bedroom, their eyes pop wide open. That is conditioned arousal because the brain has learned, ah, the bed, this is the place where I worry. This is the place where I scroll through my phone. This is the place where I watch TV. And and where you have anxious cognitions and worries. That's right. So backing up, you want to wake up at the same time every day and only go to bed when you feel sleepy, which has very clear behavioral symptoms that prevents against the development of conditioned arousal, whereby the bed morphs into a cue for activity rather than for sleep. But Another really important point here is the body rewards regularity. So people who wake up at the same time every day tend to report improved cognitive, emotional, and physical functioning. For example, people who wake up at the same time every day are actually less likely to go on to develop obesity or insulin resistance. And the reason for that has to do with how physiologically expensive it is for the body to have to reroute every day. And the analogy I like to invoke here is if you've ever driven to work pre-COVID, you probably took the same route to work every day, in part because you had deeply internalized it and you didn't need to think about it. And in not thinking about it, it freed your brain up of cognitive resources. So you could maybe buy a coffee or make your to-do list for the day or listen to some music. 
But if you had a detour, that probably couldn't happen. You probably have to focus and attend more to the rerouting. And it's the same sort of process with your body. When you wake up at, at the same time every day, your body is not having to do all of that very expensive physiological rerouting that can lead to feelings of grogginess and irritability and cognitive sluggishness. So waking up at the same time every day really provides a very important route to sleep health. I also really like to encourage people to make sure that they get light exposure, natural light exposure throughout the day um, into the afternoon. Light serves as a zeitgeber or a time giver, and it synchronizes our circadian rhythm, which in very essential terms tells us when to be up and or regulates, in part regulates when we are awake and when we are asleep. And so to optimize sleep health, you really wanna make sure that you get natural light exposure throughout the day and then start winding down your face time with light emitting devices and other sources of light two to three hours before bed because that can interrupt entry into the deepest stages of sleep. We also want to make sure that we use the bed for two things and for two things only, for sleep and for sex. This isn't to say that you can't have sex in other places, but we want to make sure that the bed is used appropriately because as we've discussed, we want to prevent the development of conditioned arousal, which can perpetuate insomnia symptoms. And over iterations of pairing the bed with activity, rather than sleep, the bed can morph into a cue for wakefulness, which maintains insomnia symptoms. So what I like to recommend patients do beyond just leaving the bed for sleep and for sex, I encourage patients to get out of bed when they start feeling like falling to sleep or returning to sleep has gotten effortful, anxiety provoking or frustrating because we don't want the brain associating the bed with negative activating emotions. And so typically I'll say, get out of the bed after about 15 to 30 minutes, go into another room with the lights off or low and do something relaxing, but not stimulating. And that varies from person to person. That could include a you know, guided relaxation, folding laundry, reading a book, doing a word search. And then when you notice those symptoms of sleepiness return, go back into the bed, and in doing so, you restore the association of the bed with sleep and extinguish the association of the bed with activity. There are a host of other things, but another really important thing includes uh, daytime energy expenditure. So to sleep better at night, get moving during the day. One of the processes that regulates our sleep beyond the circadian drive is the homeostatic sleep drive. And it's kind of like hunger in that the longer you go without sleep, the more that pressure for sleep increases. Kind of like hunger, the longer you go without eating, the hungrier you get. And at the next feeding opportunity, the more you will likely eat. We can help to accumulate that sleep pressure during the day through restricting our time in bed and restricting things like daytime napping, as well as caffeine that can oppose something called adenosine. But in staying active throughout the day, we actually stimulate that, that compound adenosine, which accumulates throughout the day 
to induce sleepiness and then actually resets at night such that when you wake up in the morning, that adenosine level is at its nadir again. So daytime energy expenditure can help to build up that sleep pressure or that sleep hunger that we can sort of cash out later in the day to get us sleeping deeper and quicker. I just wanted to go back when you say wake up at the same time every morning, is that the Even on weekends. Minute? What's that? I said even on weekends. Yes. But is that within a 15 minute range, half an hour range? Yeah. So you, you don't, yes, but you don't want there to be so much variability that it, your body perceives it as a change in time zone. Okay. So anything over an hour technically is contraindicated, but I'm very conservative when it comes to this. And I, I want my, my patients to, you know, wake up at the same time with a reasonable amount of flexibility. So I, sure. I feel comfortable with 20-ish minutes, but okay, keeping cool. it as close as possible. Sounds good. Yeah, I just wanted to clarify that. It's, uh, it's very interesting knowing that Ronald Reagan only slept less than five hours a night. Yeah, right? Uh, you know, and he went, in, went on to do some fucked up things. Seriously. And you could do fucked up things on five hours of sleep, right? Yeah, yeah. I don't know what these people are who brag about not sleeping. Like you're strong. You think you're stronger than, than sleeping? I don't, I don't understand. Like it seems it's, I mean, I was very fascinated by the, um, by the Alzheimer's, like the, the, the spinal fluids that are released for the, to battle Alzheimer's. I was like, this is great. Yeah. This is fantastic. I should sleep more. But I, yeah, you're absolutely right, though. There, are, I think there are some people who are just like, yeah, I'll fucking stay up all night because I'm seven. It's a sleepover. But <laughs> it's just not... the arrogance of seven-year-olds. <laughs> oh, boy. Yeah. Uh, did, did I ever have arrogance? Yes. But yeah, and, and her tips are, are very important. You know, I feel like everyone's looking for, why aren't I sleeping? How do I how do I fix this? How do I sleep better? I mean, especially when you hear about the fact that your brain is clearing plaque out of it itself. Well, know. it's, it's, it's kind of, it seems very short-sighted to think that sleeping doesn't wash away all this bullshit that you had during the day. Mm-hmm. And it, it, she, I think that's, I mean, she put it in the most eloquent way that I can scientifically, but like, it's just, you go to bed and then your body just completely resets. Yeah. And they're just like, all right you had the shitty day it's gone and, right. and which is weird because i can't imagine i've had loved ones die and there are moments where i'm just like i don't want to fucking sleep right now i can't sleep because you're kind of stepping away from active thought yeah I, I i think it's that I, I think i mean when my grandmother died i was just like i don't i don't want i i feel i just thought about her so much i was just like i can't take i can't take my mind off it enough to go to bed mm. you know what i mean and yeah. so Cut to me, like in Colo, Iowa, clutching a pillow, just crying into it at like three o'clock in the morning. Watching the happiest TV shows you can possibly come up with, oh, which is the answer is Golden Girls. Go, I would say Golden Girls. I would definitely say The Office. Oh, yeah. Something you've seen a bunch. Bob's Burgers is a really good one. Totally. Oh, you know what's another one? Oh, what, what is it called? Uh, Queer Eye. When, oh. when my dog Ollie broke his leg, I crushed so many episodes of mm-hmm. Queer Eye with my girlfriend and and i just because it was just like an explosion of love just do you have like a do you have like a go-to if you had a really shitty day do you have like a go-to movie or tv show i think the office is probably it that or it's always sunny 
just watching people oh, be God. trashy. <laughs> be uh, fucking yeah. I was thinking about it because uh, this weekend I, I watched, uh, I rewatched This Is Spinal Tap. Oh, great like, movie. Yeah. The moment I watched it, I was like, I could watch this any day of the fucking week. Mm-hmm. And it would still be hilarious to me. And so, comforting. It's like a comfort blanket. Oh, yeah, absolutely. It's, it's such a good natured, really funny movie that you're just kind of like, there's nothing like sadistically wrong about this. They're not being sexist. At, well, they are being sexist. Let's right. They definitely are. They are definitely sexist in the movie. <laughs> but but you watch it, you just like you 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 see this, and you're just kind of like, oh man, this movie just is so fucking funny. Mm-hmm. And you're just like, there's never a moment that you're just like, this is not good. Because <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> I watched, I, I forgot about moments. I was like, oh yeah, that's right. F- Fred Willard is is in this movie. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's right. Oh, they're a treasure. El- what a treasure oh boy yeah i don't want to uh, my hair is a little bit too long i don't want to be confused with the band that's my <laughs> wonderful well christine and i also talked about the differences between dreams nightmares and nightmare disorders i, I was really interested to hear how she describes them and, and how they are different right because normally you just think a nightmare is just a bad dream but in fact it's it's something different so right. I'm gonna go to the next clip. Roll the roll the clip, baby. Yeah. I don't know. That, that, that's what they say on New Year's Eve, right? I remember the stress I felt having to switch from Final Cut Pro to Premiere. They're both video editing software. It could be daunting to switch or have to continuously learn a new program. In fact, I learned Premiere by telling a company that I knew Premiere when I didn't. And I just figured it out and, and really threw myself into the pool to make sure I knew it because I knew I needed to know it. So learning software is very important, especially if you lied and need to catch up. Today's episode is brought to you by My Software Tutor. Are your Excel skills optimized for your current job? Do you know the basics but need to learn more? My Software Tutor offers three levels of real-time Zoom-based courses with a live instructor. Yeah, I need a live instructor. There's a lot of video tutorials out there, but having someone ask questions feels a lot better, a lot easier. They all deliver practical, functional business skills in a friendly, supportive environment. These courses will increase your marketability, whether you're an employee, job seeker, consultant, or contractor. Register at mysoftwaretutor.com and use the promo code POD20 to save 20% off all registrations. Today's episode is also brought to you by The Cardist. This is a service that basically helps you mail cards with a special message on the inside. They help you write that. That's amazing. Because Jamie's always laughing at me because I usually just write the person's name, dear so-and-so, and at the end just write love, Pat and Jamie. Just when you get to writing the card, you feel so put on the spot. I'm pretty expressive with how I feel and... and my relationship with my friends or or with my family so yeah it's also hilarious to be admitting that i feel like i'm really put on the spot and couldn't think of anything to say eight years of improv training down the drain (laughs) but with so many birthdays there's no time to shop for cards write the cards and buy the stamps now you can do it all right where you sit because the cardist studio does it for you that's great i want more things where people do it for you. Make your life easier. Introducing a writing specialist for the message inside your greeting cards. The Cardist Studio creates your message, writes it in the card, and mails it for you. The post office? 
One th- one tough thing when I used to live in Brooklyn was the the lines at the post office, insane. South Carolina, it's just walk right in, you walk right out. The most recent man who helped me was like smiling at me. <laughs> I'm so used to the post office just being like, "Get out of here! We have more people to get in. Just just see the line. Hurry up!" All you do is pick the card and tell why you're sending it. No more errands. No more anxiety. For a message from your heart but not your hands. Sit back and just enjoy your relationships. TheCardistudio.com. Thoughtful, just got easy. And you can use the promo code ANXIETYPOD for 10% off all orders. So what are what are dreams and, and, and why do we have them? Yeah, okay. That's a that's a big question. So <laughs> I figured, yeah. <laughs> so excellent question. And I I think it's important to differentiate the difference between a dream and a nightmare. Yeah, and I want to pause to differentiate a dream from a nightmare and nightmare disorder. Those are three separate things that have clinical and practical practical utility. So a dream, non-controversial, just represents or is a series of thoughts, images, and sensations experienced during sleep. We tend to experience most of our dreams during REM, but we can also experience dreams during the other stages of sleep previously mentioned. And I should note that we spend about 75% of our time in non-REM, so stages one through four, and about 25% of our time in REM. So that's what a dream is. What's the difference between a dream and a nightmare? Well, a nightmare is this extremely dysphoric, well-remembered dream that usually involves, but not always, but usually involves some sort of effort to avoid threat, to avoid threats to survival, security, or physical integrity that tends to occur during the second half of our major sleep episode. So that's the difference. A dream is not something that you necessarily remember. It is not dysphoric. And it typically doesn't wake you up. Does that make sense? Yeah. The difference here is, is the dream dysphoric? Is it scary? Does it threaten your survival in some way? And so if you've ever had a nightmare, you might reflect on the content of that. And almost always it involves someone trying to kill you or someone chasing after you, or for many veterans entering a combat situation or mothers losing their children, or pregnant women losing their baby. Again, an emphasis on dysphoric and disturbing. It becomes a disorder when there are certain criteria met. And there's something called, you know, nightmare disorder. And it's actually fairly prevalent among combat veterans, though the baseline prevalence of nightmare disorder is fairly low, about one or 2% of the population. It becomes a disorder when these dysphoric dreams or nightmares recur. So they happen a lot. If upon waking, the person becomes rapidly oriented and alert. But most importantly, if the nightmares start to cause distress and impairment in waking life, meaning do these nightmares 
bother the individual during the day, during their waking hours? Is it interfering with their ability to do their work, to engage in their relationships, to feel safe, to feel euphoric or positive emotion? So from a clinical perspective, to answer your question of spectrum, the content, you know, the frequency, okay, maybe, you know, those matter, but the things that really matter are the subjective, the subjective experiences of distress and impairment. And as soon as you start feeling like it's affecting what you need and want to do and your emotional functioning during waking life, that's when we perhaps have a, a compelling clinical issue to address. Right. Oh my gosh. My heart goes out to people who are experiencing that. That just sounds so distressing. Uh, yeah. And, and it's sometimes a symptom of something else like PTSD, right? But sometimes it's just a standalone experience where it doesn't co-occur in the context of another disorder. It can just present as itself. And I think it's important to note that a nightmare is, is different from a night terror, right? I think people sometimes confuse those as well, what they have in common is that they're all parasomnias, right? So a parasomnia is any abnormal behavior or experience or psychological event that occurs in association with sleep or sleep-specific stages or sleep-wake transitions. And sleepwalking and night terrors are two very common parasomnias. Sleepwalking, as the name implies, describes these repeated episodes of rising from bed and walking about. And uh, (laughs) a a haunting hallmark of this includes the, the blank staring face that many people have while they're doing this. And really being relatively unresponsive and only awakened with great difficulty. A night terror, on the other hand, refers to these sort of recurrent episodes of abrupt terror arousals from sleep, um, usually beginning with some kind of panicky scream. And people, people experience intense fear and signs of arousal, so rapid breathing and sweating. But unlike with a nightmare or nightmare disorder, they don't remember the dream and amnesia of the episode of the actual night terror is present. So I just wanted to differentiate those things because sure. sometimes they get used interchangeably. Yeah. And sorry, Patrick, but another common parasomnia, which can co-occur with nightmare disorder is something called rapid eye movement or REM behavior disorder, where people actually act out their dreams. So normal sleepers experience something called atonia, essentially loss of muscle tone, which has an adaptive value because we get flagrantly psychotic in our dreams. And atonia provides a way of ensuring that we don't act out that flagrant psychosis. But some people don't experience that atonia and therefore experience something called REM without atonia or REM behavior sleep disorder, whereby people will do things in their sleep like kick or punch or sometimes even kill people. (laughs) So when that atonia doesn't happen, some people may experience REM behavior disorder whereby they act out their sometimes violent nightmares. And for this reason, we sometimes have to coach patients into making their bedroom safe, particularly combat veterans who may keep firearms or other, other weapons in their, their sleeping space. 
Yeah. Oh, man, that's crazy. People fall out of bed. People punch their spouses. And sometimes this can, this can trigger something called sleep divorce, where people start sleeping in, in separate beds just for safety reasons. Oh, wow. Well, yeah, if that's occurring, that definitely seems like a smart idea. In terms of why we dream, there are a lot of explanations. And okay. we don't actually understand why we dream. A, a few researchers, particularly those of the evolutionary school of thought, argue that dreams are sort of epiphenomenon, that they have no adaptive function, that they kind of came along as a free ride um, on a system that's designed to think and to sleep. But then uh, in the same breath, there are some who argue, well, no, dreams have an adaptive function because they may yield some insight. Um, they may help us to um, sort of rehearse threatening situations or threatening scenarios in order to prepare for an actual real life threat. The psychodynamic school attributed to Freud and to Jung, who frankly <laughs> were onto something, argued that, that dreams served as unconscious wishes to be interpreted. And a la Freud, dreams are driven by unconscious wish fulfillments. And he called dreams the royal road to the unconscious. And in Freud's interpretation of dreams, he said that all dreams had two levels. They had latent content and they had manifest content. And latent content refers to those deeper unconscious wishes or fantasies and manifest content, that superficial sort of meaningless representation of the latent content. So an example might be maybe you have a dream of a, uh, a cheeseburger and the, the manifest content is the actual burger, but the latent content is your preoccupation with weight and shape. People tend to de default to this explanation, um, <laughs> which <laughs> may explain why people get so defensive or anxious when they have a dream about another partner or another person who isn't their primary partner. Yeah. It's just like breaking down literature or a movie. I, I, it's like, I, I see the fun in that, right? You know, it, it's easy for me to connect with people who, who think that way. Absolutely. Uh, there's so much fun to it. Well, sure. And, and many artists, current and, and historical, have pointed to their dreams as yeah. a source of fodder for many of their creations. So I think a more, a more modern, albeit contested, um, explanation for dreams has to do with something called activation synthesis. And this essentially says that the same structures that induce REM sleep, so where we experience dreams, though I should note, we can also experience dreams in non-REM sleep, though most of our dreams occur in REM, generate sensory information. And this sensory information gets interpreted as dreams, right? So circuits activated in the brainstem during REM, sleep, send messages to the limbic system, as I've mentioned before, our, our, our primary emotion and memory center, because it houses something called our uh, amygdala and hippocampus. And this limbic system gets activated, which initiates the synthesis of neural signals. And because our brain is always trying to make sense, the activation synthesis hypothesis argues that these neural signals get formed into a narrative. So again, this idea that we have these, these neurochemical signals that are activated and then get filtered into the limbic system and to the frontal 
lobe to help create meaningful, coherent narrative. Have you ever woken up from a nightmare and like been mad at someone or had someone be mad at you from like what dream Josh has done? Yeah, I mean, yeah, I've, I've had a couple of, of moments where I've woken up and been a little bit upset at people. <laughs> Seriously. It would be something where, you know, this is obviously before I met my wife, but you know, I, I would be dreaming about, uh, you know, with an ex-girlfriend or we'd be, and I'd be sleeping and then I'd just wake up and I'd just be like, God, I'm, I'm so upset because you act like a, because she acts like a fucking jackass in my dream. And I'm like, that's irrational. <laughs> right. Come back irrational. to me. Come back to me here <laughs> in reality. Yeah. Yeah, it, it is. It, it, there are those moments where I, was just, I would have these dreams where I would just kind of be like infidelity or some sort of insecureness in sex, which I'm, you know, in your 20s and early, you know, late teens, you're, that's all you're fucking thinking about. Mm-hmm. So around that time, it was more or less like, you know, I'd wake up and kind of be very insecure about how I would feel about this other person. And right. then, but, but also you, you would, I would wake up and be like, you, you don't understand why I'm so upset. It's like, no, yeah, because <laughs> right? I, I wasn't <laughs> in your fucking dream. Yeah. You know, that wasn't me making those decisions. You know, it's funny. I've been on the opposite end of that recently where I've had dreams where Jamie has been like a Bugs Bunny like character playing tricks on me in, in my sleep, like putting <laughs> like a, like a rat trap in the freezer. And so like, I'd like go to get something and like come out with a rat trap. And it's so funny. Cause like I've, I've woken up being like, and then you have a moment and you're like, yeah, of course that wasn't real. Like, of course yeah. she's not putting rat traps in the freezer <laughs> to, to get me. Cut, cut to Jamie, like putting a rat trap in the actual freezer. She's yeah. like, well, I well, guess I've been found out. Right. <laughs> Discovered me in your dreams. It's it's always so interesting just be how you I don't know if it's just like you're you're projecting your frustration or you're kind of like projecting some sort of insecurity onto someone that is intimately involved with you. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And it's not your parents, it's not your brothers or sisters, it's someone who you you share a bed with. And you wake up and you're just kind of like, why do I feel like I wanna hate you right now? Right, and it's and it's it's so weird because it's got to be issues dealing with infidelity or some sort of like distrust, or just like an insecurity related to that, or or, or like yeah, like you just want to break darkest fear. You just want to end the relationship, and you're just yeah. like my dream told me that we should do this mm-hmm. because that's something. Oh yeah, um, it's very interesting to see those things and then kind of look back on them and be like, all right, yeah, this I remember specifically this happening, and. Now it just kind of seems insignificant, but I also have heard of like I love it what you said about the uh, the 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 vets who are just kind of like you have to remove everything from your room in order to be safe because of these night terrors or 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 what, what was the other thing night I for, I the, the term it begins with an A, but she was yeah it's where under normal circumstances your body doesn't act out your dreams, but for right. vets and other people suffering from uh, this type of sleep disorder, like you will flail about and punch and kick and, and potentially even worse things. Yeah. Which is really scary. It, it's, it is very scary. And it just seems how, how powerful the mind is that it can do all these things, including 
make you feel like you're sleeping, but you're actually truly awake. Yeah. You know what I mean? You're marching around. I used to sleepwalk a lot growing up. I don't know. I, I There must be something that grows out of you, I guess. But I would wake up all over the house growing up. and I used to sleep talk. Yeah? What would you say? Man, I don't know. I remember being at like my buddy's sleepover and, and I would just start saying things like, I got to go to the grocery store. <laughs> I got to... I have to, all of your yeah. dreams are just like just everyday stupid, worries. Like, yeah. yeah. Grocery Egg, list. Eggs. Milk, flour, eggs. Captain Crunch. <laughs> Gotta have to see Freddy got fingered. <laughs> That's a, I don't know what, when that movie came out. But Christ yeah. Almighty. Must update but yeah, my like, pizza blog. <laughs> Must change AOL screen name. <laughs> but it, but absolutely i mean obviously when you get older you're overwhelmed by what your mind can kind of come up with especially when you're sleeping mm-hmm. the other thing i wanted to talk about from from that clip we jumped right into it right she talks about like the different theories about why we dream and we jumped right into freud which is that mm. dreams are something to be deciphered and there's some metaphorical thing to take from it like you were describing with your dad mm-hmm. um at the bowling alley and that just feels so much more fun than like the alternative, which she was saying is that like your brain is just running its processes of cleansing itself and you're just interpreting that cleansing process in some kind of narrative because brains like stories. I mean, it seems, it seems the most logical thing because as humans, we, we, we truly understand narratives. Very much so. It, sound, it sounds so weird. It's like everything has to involve some sort of narrative. Mm-hmm. as much as we want to think that life is a bunch of insignificant events leading up to our death it's like no there's a narrative to all this there's a point of view to everything especially in your dreams mm-hmm. and there's a point of view to everything of what you're looking at and to where you establish like a, a theme or an idea of what is this telling me it's comforting it's comforting it's, yeah. yeah i mean it, like it's there's... i never i never consider myself a smart man but <laughs> But it's it's good to know these things because then I can look at it and be like, okay, well, I, I I had this dream last night and I and I wasn't able to sleep because of this this nightmare. What's going on in my life to kind of contribute to those thoughts? Right. It's it's an intrinsic delve into my nightmares. Mm-hmm. So. so I had a dream the other day where I had twenty five dollars. You're not getting your it. money. No. In my pocket. Never getting it. Never seeing it. You you saw ghost money. <laughs> and I used it at a toy store. I bought five Power Rangers. <laughs> it, it was the toy store from Big. Yeah. You and Robert Loggia are just like tap dancing all over the big ass keyboard. Having a delightful afternoon. <laughs> I got the Power Rangers and then we got went and got scones and he promoted me. <laughs> what a weird fucking movie that is. So weird. <laughs> And also just so adorable. Well, we watched it. We watched it like last week. The subplot of him and the uh, and Elizabeth Perkins is very unsettling. Very. That does not hold up. No, uh, it does not. To to watch Tom Hanks as a twelve year old fully grope a woman. Yeah. <laughs> into sex is very weird. Very weird. Yeah. I mean, uh, don't get me wrong. The movie's fantastic, mm-hmm. except for that weird part. Right. Yeah, very bizarre. One of the other things I wanted to ask Christina was what behaviors, if any, could cause nightmares? And well, she definitely has a list. I'll I'll definitely say that. So 
Am I on the list? Yes. <laughs> this is this is me at Josh every at every every club in New York. I'm like, am I on the list? <laughs> uh, in every other instance, no. But in this one, yes, <laughs> I you might are on be. this list. Yeah. All right. Well, let's jump into the third and final clip. Are there certain things, behaviors that lead to more nightmares? Mm-hmm. Yes. So what we know, and there are a bunch of things that can lead to nightmares. One is stress. Okay. And yeah. I mean, especially during COVID times, I know mo- mo- a lot of people are talking about that. Yes. So, and we'll, we'll, I'll revisit that in a moment, but stress certainly can contribute to nightmares. Sleep deprivation can contribute to, to lucid dreaming or nightmares. Alcohol drug use, these things can contribute to nightmares. Sometimes it can be a a consequence of a a new medication or a new treatment of some kind. There are also genetic predispositions to nightmare and nightmare disorder, exposure to trauma, as we've mentioned. And we also know that age, age is a contributor. So we know that in general, younger people tend to experience nightmares more frequently than older people, in large part because we tend to spend less time in REM as we age. But people, as you know, have started experiencing or reporting that they've experienced more nightmares and just weird dreams during COVID. And I think there are a few good explanations for this. So in this time of, of heightened stress, The limbic system, again, our our brain's primary emotion and memory center has more demands to process. And because our brain likes order, it really attempts to digest and integrate all of that stimulation. You know, our thoughts, our stressors, our experiences, 24-hour news into narratives. (laughs) And I think a lot of the, the colorful and strange dreams combined with these changes in our daily routines, so sleeping later or longer, increased alcohol or drug use, and sleep patterns reflect this sort of strong negative emotions that COVID has invited. And for this reason, some people, uh, some patients have shared experiencing dreams or nightmares of escape, of avoidance, of vulnerability. So either getting really small or really large, gaining some superpower, like running really fast or flying, or showing up to things naked, which from a psychodynamic perspective represents perhaps one of the most vulnerable things that we could do as a human being. And so all of this makes sense given the emotional climate of things, but there are other explanations for this too beyond the emotional demands placed upon our limbic system. Most people have started waking up later, right? In this era of working from home. And because our REM periods tend to last longer and get more intense as we get closer to morning, this allows more time for dreaming. So the increase in in total sleep time or um, just sleeping in later kind of lets us stay in the movie a bit longer. <laughs> but another reason has to do with actually the opposite. So difficulties falling or staying asleep due to worry, right? And there are a lot of worries that we have right now can decrease our, our total sleep time. And a shorter sleep duration may restrict our REM sleep. However, this increases our hunger or our pressure for REM later, such that at the next sleep opportunity, you might rebound into REM, which means that the next time you sleep during this REM rebound, dreams can often feel much more vivid, intense, and emotionally charged. 
So I'd say that a combination of increased stress, changes in daily routine and sleep time, as well as an increase perhaps in suboptimal health behaviors like substance use, plus traumatic exposure, particularly if you identify as a frontline worker, may explain why we, we've seen these increased reports of nightmares and strange dreams. Because when I have nightmares and, and in succession, let's say I feel like I've had a few in a night, I haven't slept. I feel like I haven't slept when I woke up. Is that because I'm just jolting out of, of REM sleep and maybe struggling to go back in? Or what, what would you say is the explanation? Difficult to know exactly. Difficult to know, for example, the factors that may have interfered with your ability to enter deep, the deepest stages of sleep, stages three and four. So for example, if you consumed a lot of light or blue light before bed, perhaps a better explanation for your fatigue has nothing to do with the nightmare, but more to do with not getting into that restorative stage. That said, nightmares, like any state of prolonged or even acute distress, is very physiologically psychologically and cognitively expensive. Okay. So that limbic system is getting activated. And when that gets activated, it's telling the HPA axis, this pathway that secretes cortisol and adrenaline and stress hormones to get activated also. And that downstream production of those stress hormones can cause those arousal symptoms of heart palpitation, feeling too hot or too cold, physical tension, sometimes derealization, depersonalization, brain fog, because that is a huge jolt of, of chemistry to the system. And that is very, very expensive, uh, certainly acutely, but, and, and in the long run. So it's part of the reason why acute stress, uh, a prolonged stress response via the HPA axis has associations with insulin resistance and obesity and anxiety and depression because your stress hormones are just totally maxed out. Right. Okay. That's, yeah, that's, that's very interesting perspective. Like a major point of this podcast is to demystify certain things that are we're fearful or I'm stretching the word anxiety to include phobias and, and yada yada. So I like to give people tools to make things seem a little less scary. So Absolutely. as it relates to nightmares, what would your recommendations be to eliminating nightmares and the stress that they cause to help people live a better life? <laughs> So there are a few things that people can do for managing nightmares. Again, I want to go back to my original point. If we all at some point have experienced a nightmare, mm -hmm. right? We, and again, one might make the argument that uh, that has some sort of survival benefit or emotional benefit. You may want to consider clinical intervention when you notice an increase in the number of those disturbing nightmares and dreams, if those nightmares and dreams start to cause distress, meaning they bother you in your waking life, and impairment, meaning they get in the way of doing the things that you want to do and need to do. So how does that look? Well, you want to seek out a behavioral sleep medicine provider. Some psychologists, clinical psychologists and social workers may have experience in that, but you are incre you'll increase your, your chances of evidence-based treatment provision in seeking out someone 
who specializes in behavioral sleep medicine. The reason is because most people who specialize in behavioral sleep medicine get training in something called imagery rehearsal therapy or IRT. And IRT is a very brief, time-limited, evidence-based intervention that helps people to manage and hopefully eliminate their nightmares. And this treatment involves learning relaxation skills, to practice before bed, eliciting a target nightmare, so the nightmare that tends to recur the most frequently and cause the most distress, and then to work with a provider to re-script, to, to change the, the outcome of the nightmare, and then to practice that new nightmare over time and pairing it with relaxation such that you reduce, hopefully, the, the frequency and the intensity of the original target nightmare, and in the best case scenario, eliminate it entirely. With imagery rehearsal therapy, an example might be, and this was a real example from a clinical case, I had a veteran who had the same nightmare every night, like clockwork, and it involved him reliving an explosion that ejected him out of his car and caused concussion. And when he was describing the dream, he mentioned that he was driving down a road, and when he turned right, he drove into the, the, the landmine that exploded. And so what we did as part of the rescripting protocol was rewrite the dream such that instead, instead of turning, did I just say right? <laughs> he turned in the opposite direction. He turned to the other side of the road to prevent the traumatic event from occurring. So he turned in the opposite direction and we scripted out him instead stopping for lunch at a local diner. We described what he ate, what it smelled like, the waitress, what she looked like, what he was thinking, what he was feeling, what he was seeing, tasting, wow. sensing. And we rescripted it with such high resolution detail that it eventually knocked out the old nightmare. So, so over time, he... You know, he identified the target nightmare. Together, we rewrote it with extreme detail, really capitalizing on all these sensory experiences. Over the over treatment, had him practice that new nightmare, and then practice relaxation in the morning, the afternoon, and the evening. And over you know a few sessions, he reported reductions in the frequency of that nightmare and less impairment. That's so wonderful that that's even possible. It's something that waking up today. Yeah, or even an hour ago, I didn't, I didn't think that that was something that we can do. That's so yeah. Image, imagery rehearsal therapy. And so, so that, that is a, indicated for people who have clinically significant nightmares. Now, if you do find yourself experiencing nightmares or insomnia symptoms, these are manageable. These can get better. And you, it, treating sleep is a very good way of also treating your mental health because your sleep and your mental health go hand in hand. And so if you feel reluctant about pursuing traditional psychotherapy for something like anxiety or depression or trauma, consider starting with treating your sleep because that will have, again, these upstream and downstream consequences for your psychological functioning, but may also help to expose you to the process of therapy in a way that helps to perhaps challenge some of the stigmas and preconceptions you have about it. So, so using sleep treatment, not only as an entryway into 
you're optimizing your own mental health, but also as an entryway into exposing yourself to the process of therapy can, can really help, particularly because the evidence-based treatments for sleep and sleep disorders, including cognitive behavioral therapy for insomnia or CBTI, tend to be relatively brief and high yield, meaning that people get better and get better very quickly. That's, hey, that's great news. Christina, thank you so much for your time. We'll, we'll talk again soon. Sounds good. Thank you. Got it. It's, it's such a, it's such an interesting thing to hear from someone where it's just the, the things that you can do slowly to kind of like, I don't know, make yourself a little bit more, not adapt, more, um, better. I guess it's just like better. It's a, it's a better person throughout the day. It's like, yeah, you just gotta get fucking sleep. Yeah. Do you want to be like Ronald Reagan? <laughs> no, nobody does. No one does. Not he's one dead. He's fucking, he's fucking dead. He's sleeping forever. Right. He's having his like own that. nightmares. Seriously. But like, how incredible is that? A real life inception that a person that's, I'll use the word tortured and tormented by a, a moment in, in their life and you can rewrite it and, and yeah. make this pleasant memory or at least a pleasant dream version of the memory. Exactly. Being able to restructure how you finish, finish a dream, a, a recurring dream mm-hmm. of all those things. It's just, it's very, very cool. It's like, almost I, like what kills Freddy Krueger, stopping believing in him. It's just like the, a, a similar strategy. It's funny it's, to think like, a nightmare yeah, it, down the street you know, to like reality. But uh, in, in a way, it's like, you're, you're, you're absolutely right, Pat. It's like one of those things where it's just like, this is not reality. You're not real. I don't believe in you. You're just shit. And then you kind of create your own, your, your own universe out of this, this thing that is, is a threat, quote mm-hmm. unquote. I, I love that. I, it's, it's a cognizant threat that you have inside of you, but it's... And especially if it's messing with your, I mean, obviously, if you don't get sleep, that messes with your your daily life. But also people that are just, I imagine like the anxiety, the heaviness of knowing that when you sleep, your demons are, are there waiting for you and, and you can't even take some time well, off. Then I would understand why people want to stay up and not sleep. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's It's horrible. I mean, I remember watching a Ken Burns documentary about Vietnam. Don't laugh. And it was all about how these dudes would, you know, they fall asleep after coming back home and they would just like have these recurring nightmares about being back in the jungle. And it's just like, mm-hmm. fuck, dude, it's, it's not real. But to them, it's, it's fucking life. They're just running back through that shit again. Uh-huh. And you're and, just paying the price on and on. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Just, just keep on reliving that same moment that you could have done something different. Mm-hmm. You know, now it's completely changed to where it's like, okay, we can rewrite what your dream is not your memory but your dream of right. what this is absolutely i loved talking to christina oh my god she, she was great so intelligent so excited you know a, a really truly eye-opening aspect of this podcast has been talking to people like her and and gaining knowledge is powerful right learning that there are little things I can do to improve my sleep, handle nightmares. And if nightmares ever become a problem, where to go and where to take that. And, and so I think that's, that's wonderful. And, and that's really what I'm trying to do with this podcast, you know? Oh, absolutely, man. I mean, it sounds weird, but nightmares 
really plague a lot of people's lives. It's a lot of hostility, a lot of anger, resentment. It all manifests itself into your into your subconscious. That's why I love Young and um, what was the other guy? Chekhov, mm-hmm. Eisner. Yeah, yeah. But uh, but I, I really do love that because it's it's a delve into the subconscious. It's it's seriously just your anxieties are all there. And if you if you look hard enough, you'll just kind of be like, all right, what does this mean? And then if you have kind of a a dream where you're at the nothing, checkout counter and you can't pay for your groceries. Yeah, you're just like, oh man, why do I go to grocery stores? <laughs> I hate it. That's what the dream is telling you. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> avoid, avoid Buy my online. <laughs> well, thank you so much, Josh. This has been a lot of fun talking to you, and good luck with your podcast, and good luck with the pandemic. It was lovely to see you. Yeah. I I think that you are the most handsome man I've ever seen, because you're the only man I've seen in the last <laughs> nine months. <laughs> <laughs> Christina's point about getting help for sleep was very eye-opening and that it's an easy way to help you get into therapy and and figure out what it's like and and how it can help you. So if you are experiencing sleep issues, go for it. Who doesn't want to sleep better? You know? Or at least have tools or, or a better understanding so it's not by chance that you're sleeping well. Thank you very much to Josh, who's a new dad. Congratulations. And thank you so much to Christina Pirpali Parker. There's actually going to be quite a bit of Christina on the on this podcast coming up. Just a little teaser there. I want to mention to you, please check out my other podcast, Death Space Filling the Void. It's a show about mortality, psychology, physics, and grief, things like that. Check it out wherever you get your podcasts. As always, thank you so, so much for listening. I, I truly mean that. Have a great weekend, and I'll talk to you on Thursday.